0: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Lindsey Fry Hockey Audio Experience. On today's episode, I talk with an ASU journalism student, answer some of her questions about girls and women's hockey here in Arizona, my philosophy on some things related to hockey. But I don't want this podcast to just be about me. So please, please leave a comment, shoot me a message, let me know what do you want to hear, who do you want to hear from, And we'll make it happen so that we can get a little bit better as a hockey community each and every day. Enjoy.
1: Um, So how did you get started playing hockey?
0: Yeah, so I actually fell in love with hockey when I was about four years old. I saw the Mighty Ducks movies, the Disney movies, and uh, just thought they were amazing as this little kid. Nobody in my family had ever played hockey before, so it was really different. Um, But I, I thought it was awesome. My parents got me like these uh, plastic skates that would strap onto my shoes, and I would like rollerblade up and down the driveway for hours. And finally, they got me a stick, and I would play with that. And then I started playing roller hockey when I was five. And then when I was six, they built an ice rink in Chandler, which is where I grew up, and. Uh, started playing ice hockey and never looked back.
1: Yeah. So, uh, what teams were available when, when you started to play?
0: Hardly any girls teams. So it was primarily, uh, boys teams. And I think when I was born, I have to get this stat down perfectly, but when I was born, there were like less than 20 girls between the ages of six and 19 in the entire state of Arizona playing hockey. So it was super, super small Um, I'd say there were probably less than 50 when I first started actually playing. So as far as girls opportunity was concerned, it was very limited. So I pretty much my only option if I wanted to play was to play on a boys team. Um, So I played for a team called the Chandler Junior Polar Bears from the time I was eight all the way up until I was about 13. Um, And when I was 13, I was starting high school and Honestly, the only reason I switched to girls hockey was to be able to get recruited for college. I loved playing with the boys. Um, I'm pretty tall, so I never had an issue holding my own with them. Um, but I knew that if I wanted to get recruited, I probably wasn't going to get recruited playing on a boys team from Arizona. So uh, a friend of mine and I both went up to Colorado to play for a girls team, and we would fly back and forth and the parents would switch off who brought us. So it was it was a pretty crazy transition, but it paid off.
1: Yeah, so could you talk a little bit about how the the Small Fries uh, Kachina um, organization came together?
0: Yeah, so we started with Small Fries, and Small Fries is really a – it's not really a learn-to-play program. It's kind of a continue-to-play program, we call it. Uh, the way that the Arizona Coyotes hockey ecosystem works is – we have Little Howlers, which is really the first time we get kids on the ice, and they are really just learning how to stand up, and it's really funny. Um, and those are for kids ages five through nine. But then what we saw was there was this big drop-off with the girls. Like, we'd get girls coming through Little Howlers, and then they wouldn't continue to play after that. So we thought, okay, well, what can we do to create a safe environment that will give them some confidence and really help develop that love of the sport. And that was kind of the birth of the idea of small fries. And so <clears throat> we take them from Little Howlers, which is a co-ed program. We get all the girls together from the Howlers programs that have gone on in the previous year, because there's a bunch of them that happen throughout a year. And then we bring all those girls together for about a three or four month long summer program. Um, and we have an all female staff, which is pretty incredible. And it's just, it's amazing to see the transition in these girls with their confidence, especially. They just, they love the sport. And we've started to see um, drastic changes in the retention rates of girls playing hockey from the time they start in Howlers to the time they get out of Small Fries. But... We realized after that that you know we had created this really good base program, this really good feeder program at the bottom of the pyramid, but we needed some place for these kids to go and develop if they wanted to play girls hockey from the time they started to the time they graduated high school. And that's really where the idea of Kachinas came from. Since I've been little, there have been at least four or five different versions of girls hockey associations. Yeah. None of them have really had more than two or three teams at any given time. And our hypothesis, I guess, was if we really put the resources behind it, if we put the financial backing, we get the right people involved to get people to buy in. I, we really felt like the, the data supported there were enough girls for us to have teams at every single age level from six years old all the way up through 19 years old, and it just needed the right infrastructure. So we launched that this past season after I would honestly say like five years of planning. Um, it, it took a long time to kind of bring that idea to life and uh, we were patient and waited for the right resources to come along. And um, we launched this year and we ended up having nine teams in our first season and we're hoping to have 12 next season. So. Uh, and the crazy thing about that is with those nine to twelve teams, we're only capturing like I think twenty five percent of all the girls playing in the state. So there really still is a pretty large growth opportunity there.
1: yeah, um, speaking of the numbers, there was a pretty significant bump after the the Sochi Olympics. What was that like from your perspective of playing in the games and then coming home and? and maybe seeing that in in real time.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a timing thing that I can't take credit for entirely. Um, You know, right as I was kind of going through my Olympic experience, uh, my, he's, I call him my work husband, but he and I both work for the coyotes. He's worked there for seven or eight years now. Um, And when he took over in that role of uh, he was the director of the amateur hockey development for the Arizona Coyotes, he really evaluated, you know, what are some of the gaps in youth hockey in Arizona? And he identified that girls hockey was one of them. And so he worked extremely hard to ensure that uh, girls hockey was a focus. So that was probably 2012, 2013. And then with me going to the Olympics, him putting in the resources and then we teamed up and started working together on everything. I think it just created this amazing, perfect storm for all of this to come to life. So um, it obviously is is amazing and something that I'm super proud of to be able to give back and hopefully inspire some of these Arizona girls to play. But it certainly has been a team effort and we have a great group of people who are making it all happen behind the scenes. And um, I, I think it was it was definitely a, a timing Thing for sure. Yeah. And, and
1: what, what what did you say his name was again?
0: Matt Schott.
1: Uh, right, right, right. Okay. And um, speaking of, of the, the Coyotes in the NHL, what role specifically have they played in, in all of this?
0: Yeah. So we've been really fortunate. Uh, there was a program that came out about four or five years ago, I want to say. Um, called the Industry Growth Fund, and that's a joint effort between the NHL and the NHLPA, which is the Players Association, and um, they put money into a, a pool. So the Players Association and each NHL club put money into a large pool, and then each team gets to write, basically apply for grants um, for, to be able to use those funds for grassroots hockey growth initiatives. So when that came out, you know, it was, again, when I say timing, we were really the, the beneficiaries of timing, uh, that had come out and we right out of the gate, were like, we have to put something in for girls hockey. And so, um, we get about $140,000 a year to be able to put toward growing our girls hockey programs. And, uh, that has been really a game changer for us because, you know, obviously having those kinds of resources, it makes it a lot easier to get the buy-in and, um, you know, we, we load these kids up with all kinds of swag so that they can, uh, you know, make sure that they're looking sharp and wearing our, our brand proudly. So it's, it, that has been phenomenal support. And then the coyotes have been great. Um, we needed to be under a 501 C three. They allowed us to go under the Arizona coyotes foundation to be able to do that. Um, they provide all kinds of different resources from legal advice to, financial reporting, all those kinds of things. So, um, it's, it's really been a collective effort.
1: Yeah. It's refreshing to hear that, um, that they're investing in in women's sports when a lot of times people say, well, what's the reason for that? They don't need that. But really it, it comes from those
0: investments. Totally. Well, and I think something that the NHL as a whole is starting to realize is that at the end of the day, If you ignore 50% of the population, you're going to miss out on revenue opportunities. And that's, I think, really the NHL as a whole is starting to realize, you know, wow, we've got all these women who love our game, who we aren't marketing to, who we aren't investing in. And so the NHL has really switched its mindset to make not just girls and women's hockey, but girls and women's fandom, a real focal point for kind of the next decade of the NHL. And so that's, again, another piece of this timing puzzle that's been really great for us um, is that all the teams recognize that this is important and it's something from just a long-term business strategy is going to be really beneficial. Um, The Coyotes, though, I think have been really on the forefront of everything. Uh, They were the first ones to hire somebody like me. So my first full-time title with the team was Female Hockey Ambassador. Um, Now you've got five or six other teams in the NHL that have a female hockey ambassador. So it's, we're, we really have been, I think on the forefront of this women in sports and women's and women in hockey movement. Um, So I'm, I'm really fortunate to be working for the team and uh, I think it's, it's going to create a lot of momentum for girls in hockey, not just here in Arizona, but throughout the country.
1: Yeah and and why do you think Arizona specifically is it just the the coyotes and their efforts or is is there something in Arizona that that that's um something to play on
0: um I mean I think there's just a, a much larger growth potential here because right. it is yeah. a lot smaller um but our population is huge so I think that's that's a big piece of it um you know, you go to the Bostons or the Minnesotas, a lot of those, there's a lot of girls who are already aware that hockey is a sport that they can play. They're already Mm -hmm. aware that it's in their local community rink. Um, Whereas here we have a little bit of a different uphill battle, just even getting girls and parents to know that a, there is girls hockey in Arizona and B it's totally like normal for your daughter to play. We kind of fight those stigmas. So, um, I wouldn't necessarily say that you know Arizona is is better or worse at growing girls hockey. I think it's just we we just have a lot of opportunity here.
1: Yeah. And and you spoke on some of those resources that are that are being put into the Kachinas and and girls hockey. What are those specifics um resources?
0: Yeah, so <clears throat> I mean, we, we do a lot. Uh, one of the big things is we wanted to reduce the barrier to entry. So uh, our fees relative to other associations in the state are um, not drastically lower, but definitely lower. And that makes it uh, a lot easier for families. I think sometimes what people forget is, you know, yeah, you're going to have to to scholarship some kids on the boys' side of the game for sure. But when the girls' pool is so much smaller you can't afford to price people out because as soon as you start pricing people out, you reduce your pool. So um, that was something that we were really passionate about was ensuring that we were able to give some of those uh, financial opportunities and reduce some of those barriers for our families. Like I said, I think just awareness is still super important for us as we grow and try to scale. We really need our kids and our parents to be our brand ambassadors. So, Uh, It is important for us to invest a lot in apparel and making sure that they're getting out there, wearing our stuff, talking about us. Um, We've invested quite a bit in uh, our summer programming. That's really been our biggest recruitment tool is having a really affordable summer long program where we can get girls out there from around the valley who maybe haven't played with us before. We get them out there. It allows us to introduce them to the other girls. It allows them to uh, get to know our coaches, kind of see our style of coaching, and what it is that we have to offer. The parents can talk to other parents in the stands. So uh, we invest quite a bit in our in our summer programming, um, and you know I think there's there's just a lot of other ways in which we are are applying some of those funds to ensure that this this program is a success. Um, one of them is making sure that we get really good people who know what they're doing and have experience in this and making sure that we're compensating them for their time. Cause you know, having parent volunteers is wonderful, but I think early on we wanted to make sure we were getting the best of the best. So it's been, yeah. it's been a, a large mix of investments for sure.
1: Yeah. So parent support is big thing. What um, stigmas have there been from, from parents or from other people?
0: Um. <clears throat> I mean, overall, it's we've gotten a lot of early support. I think I think a lot of girls' parents who have been in the game for a while now, their kids are maybe teenagers, and they've seen some right. of the different iterations of girls' hockey. I think a lot of them have really been waiting for something like this. Um, they, It's kind of done a whole 180. Like we, every Saturday home game that the Coyotes have, we honor one of our players as the kachina of the game. Um, Those small things where now all of a sudden the girls team, the girls association is kind of viewed as one of the cool associations to play for in the Valley. It's never been like that before. It's always kind of been like the girls program is the little sister of Arizona and you know they get the ice that they get, and they get the coaches that they get, and it's you know a bunch of ragtag kids trying to make it work. And um, we've really flipped that around overnight, and so the parents have been really bought in. Um, I think they realize that we're doing it for the right reasons. Um, none of our founding team have kids, so it's which is a good and a bad thing. I mean, there's definitely some some things that we get pushed back from. Um, because of that. But overall, I think people realize, you know, we're here for the right reasons. We're not here with any particular agenda, because I want my kid to go to the best college. So my kids team is getting all of the resources. Um, There's none of that going on. So I think, overall, the parents have been great and supportive. And there's obviously always going to be some hiccups that you have to work through. But overall, we've been able to get through those. And it's been great.
1: Yeah. So what culture are you really trying to build within the Kachinas?
0: Yeah, you know, I would argue that that's probably one of our biggest challenges right now. Um, And I think, one, that has to do with the fact that it's... it's, I don't think I would be lying if I said that uh, girls in large groups can sometimes be a cultural challenge. Um, We've definitely had... Some issues with, you know, whether it be jealousy or just 14-year-old girls being 14-year-old girls and and things like that. So um, I think that's the area that we really, really need to work on as we continue to scale. I think it's a little easier. Like when you start with one team and you build out slowly from there, it's easier to build that culture. Coming right out of the gate with nine teams and girls from all over the Valley Valley with different backgrounds. They played on different teams before different groups of parents. I think that was, that was really challenging. Um, And honestly, like it just, it wasn't our biggest priority this year because we were just trying to get like ice, (laughs) you know, we were just trying to get uh, refs to show up to the game. So we were just logistically very um, focused on all that stuff. But this year that's that's going to be a huge focus and as far as you know what kind of culture we're trying to build i think ultimately we want we really want to build this idea that there is a Kachina way of doing things that you are representing not only your association but yourself your parents your coaches everyone so that when you do get to be 16 or 17 and you're getting recruited to go to college Colleges are looking at us and saying, wow, the Kachinas really have a respectful group of women, um, both from a coaching standpoint and from a player standpoint. Uh, We want to ensure that, you know, we really do kind of have that team first mentality, I call it, where, you know, the girls are looking out for each other. The coaches are looking out for the kids um, and the parents are all pulling, you know, the rope in the the same direction. And uh, it's it's hard. Um, But I think, you know, we're already the season barely just ended and we're already talking about all the team building we want to do next season. So um, there's a lot of different things that are going to go into that. And I think over time, um, the culture will evolve uh, for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, looking to the future a little bit, what do you think um, the, the landscape of women's hockey will look like in Arizona?
0: Yeah, I I mean, obviously, we want to continue to grow. Um, I think realistically, in the next five to 10 years, maybe sooner, we could have Arizona's first uh, real triple A program. Right now, we're we're more of a double A program. Most of our girls are going to either college club teams or uh, we have one girl committed to a an NCAA Division three school, so you know long term we'd like to be able to really develop the base so that our girls um, continue to grow collectively in skill level and we can have a more competitive team at a higher level. So that's that's one of the things that we hope to see. Um, I think just again continuing the expansion. I mean, like I said, we're only capturing about twenty to twenty five percent of the kids right now, so. As you know, that that pool grows. Um, the growth potential for us is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And I see no reason why we couldn't have two or three teams at every single age level in the next three, four, or five years. Um, so I I think right now the sky's the limit. Um, the only barrier is ice time, and that's the case for every association across the valley. But um, there are more rinks going in. I think the excitement of ASU having a division one men's team is really great. Uh, we've got two ACHA women's teams in town with GCU and ASU. And I think it's just, it's just going to continue to explode. So I'm really excited to see what happens.
1: Yeah. And, um, what have you seen from the girls? What are they like? (laughs) Are they so excited to, to get started playing hockey? Do they have a lot of um, background and like knowing how to play hockey, how to, how did
0: that work? Our youngest ones, you mean?
1: Uh, I guess just, yeah, we could, we could start with the youngest ones.
0: I mean, I think the little ones, um, you always get a mix of kids. You get, you get some girls who are like, who are like me, who I don't care if I'm playing against a boy, a girl, a dog, a horse, like it doesn't matter to me. Like I am just out here because I love this sport Then you definitely get the ones who really need small fries more than others who are really timid. They're afraid to go up against a boy. They're afraid to mess up in front of a coach or in front of somebody else on the ice. Um, They're afraid they're going to get hurt. They're afraid they're going to fall. And uh, those are the ones that we really need to, I think, build the confidence first. Let them know that they're in a safe environment. Let them know that, hey, we're all women too. We're all girls just like you. And we're out here having a good time and we love this sport. And from there, we really are able to kind of build the passion for them. Um, And then the kids just identify as hockey players. Um, I think for the older ones who have been playing for a long time, um, overall, I mean, they're very aware. Um, They understand that, you know, they it's been a little turbulent as far as what their opportunities have been over time. So I think they're all genuinely very appreciative uh, to have an alternative option. They wear, you know, our logo with pride. And I think they recognize as well as the parents that this is something that's going to be around for a long time. And I think they're just happy to kind of feel that support and that, Insurance that it's it's gonna be here for them for the next couple years, which is great.
1: Yeah, and, and going back to the, the the relationship with the Coyotes, um, in the NHL, the the Women's um, Professional um, Hockey Player Association came to town a couple weeks ago. Um, how did that how did that come about?
0: Yeah, so <clears throat> it, really the the PWHPA has. It was born from a bunch of women, um, former teammates of mine from the Olympic team, um, and, you know, opponents from the Canadian Olympic Olympic team, bunch of D1 college players, D3 college players who basically said, you know what, the option that we have right now from a professional women's hockey league standpoint is not enough, um, you know, they, they didn't feel like they were being treated like professionals. They felt like, especially, I think, following in the footsteps of everything women's soccer's done, um, they really felt like it was time to stand up and fight for a viable league. And so what they're doing with this PWHPA Dream Gap Tour is what it's called, is they're going around the country, showcasing their talents, and it really is just their way of trying to say, look, We're fast, we're strong, we're good, and we're a lot of fun to watch so that eventually more and more people will recognize that and will want to pay to come and watch a women's professional hockey game. So that's ultimately what they're trying to do. The reason it's called the Dream Gap Tour is because um, there is a large gap between what a little boy can dream about being someday and what a little girl can dream about being someday. And so they're trying to close that gap by ultimately creating this league. Um, We, you know, obviously, I know a lot of those people. Um, Matt was really passionate about trying to get them down here. So we reallocated some of our our girls hockey resources to make sure that we could make it happen. Um, And it was a a huge success. I'm so thankful (laughs) it happened before all of the coronavirus stuff shut the world down, basically. But um, cause it literally was the weekend before and, uh, it, it was, it was phenomenal. We, the building was packed. We did it in a smaller rink. So it would really feel like, you know, the, the stands were full and it was crowded and loud. And, um, the women had nothing but nice things to say. I mean, they, they felt like they truly were treated by like professionals when they were down here. So, um, and, and the girls of course loved it. I mean, they're still talking about it. And I think, it ultimately did what we wanted it to do and inspired them and um, made them excited to eventually play professional hockey someday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I've talked to a, a couple of other girls, um, Jordan from ASU specifically, and we mm-hmm. talked about how just having a role model is one of the biggest things. And she mentioned you as, as being one of hers.
0: Aww. Um,
1: <laughs> how important is that for, for these girls to, to see the, professional
0: women come and play in their hometowns? It's, I mean, it's something that I certainly never had. Um, I didn't even know that women's college hockey was a thing until I was like 13 years old. I didn't know what the Olympics were until I was probably nine or 10. So I think it's just really important for these girls to recognize, one, there is, there are options out there for you. There is something for you to dream about beyond just playing with the Kachinas until you're 19 and then moving on. Um, but I also think it really, especially for some of our older girls, was an eye-opener of how good and fast and strong the women are at the highest levels. You know, we as coaches are always trying to encourage our older kids to be a little more motivated to do some at-home workouts or stick-handling drills or give everything they have in practice. Um, but for them to see that, now all of a sudden when they say, my goal is to play Division One hockey... Now they understand what that actually looks like because normally they really, you really don't get it. Like even if you watch it on a computer or on a TV, you don't really experience how fast and physical the game is at the highest level. This was just such a wonderful opportunity for those kids to see something like that. And for them to not have to travel anywhere to be able to do it was uh, incredible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, that's pretty much all the questions that I have written down here. Um, is there anything else I should, you want to let me know that I haven't asked?
0: Um, I think the only thing I'd add is going back to Jordan. Um, you know, obviously it's it was amazing to have the PWHPA here, but I think one of the reasons why our program works so well is because we've just created such an amazing ecosystem Of girls and women so I mean we've got the small fries at the bottom but then at the top you've got the local college players and we certify them so that they can come out and coach with us and it's awesome because the college players come coach our small fries and now all of a sudden the small fries like idolize these college players and so now they're going to the college players games and it's just this really great um, circular effect where everybody's supporting each other. And I think ultimately that's, that's been one of the biggest factors with our success is just being able to get everyone involved. Um, I think the next step of that that I'm really excited about is the Coyotes just started up a program called Growlers, which is like an adult little howlers. It's, it's an adult learn to play program. And a lot of women are going through that. And I'm excited because now we're going to be able to take some of those women and hopefully encourage them to start coaching with us uh, for small fries. Because, you know, honestly, for small fries, you don't need a ton of talent. You just need to have a ton of passion. And I think that's going to kind of be the next step in this process, which I'm pumped about. (laughs) Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Lindsey Fry Hockey Audio Experience. Leave a comment. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Let me know what you think of the podcast in general. And please, please let me know what you want to hear. We've got a couple great episodes coming up that have been driven by fans of the podcast. So I do listen when you say you want to hear something. Uh, we make it happen. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And please let me know what you want to hear on this podcast.